And as we continue in worship this morning, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, we've been looking at this chapter for a little bit now, and we've, we've come to this place in verses 10 through 17 where I'm simply calling building the church. I mean, this is an activity. You know, one of the things that, that hopefully has been jumping off the page to you that you've been seeing is there is always an activity, right? There's an action on the part of God's church upon uh, God's people. Um, there's, there's a believing, there's a trusting, there's a moving, there's a, a praying, a reading, a going, right? And Paul is saying, I am the planner, and Apollos is the one who waters, right? The, the, he's the irrigator. And you've got a planner and irrigator, right? That's his metaphor, and yet God gives the increase, right? So there's an activity and there's a fulfillment. God desires that we would be in action, right? There's, there's nothing about being passive. God is not a passive. God doesn't want his church to be passive, Right? For God so loved the world, he did what? He sinned, right? He gave, right? Yeah, he sends his son into this world. He goes to action. They've got a problem. They need Jesus, right? They need an atoning sacrifice. And this morning, as we look at this, and I'll here in a moment, I'll just I'll pray, I'll, I'll read the passage and we'll pray. But um, you know, I, I just want us to realize that all that all that glitters is not gold. Right? That's a, we've heard that saying before, isn't it? And Paul is going to be talking about the church and, and how we can build upon this foundation, right? And, and some people are going to work with, with different materials. Some are going to be precious materials, and some are going to be flammable materials. We can say it like that, right? Um, but he's very concerned about this action, and all that glitters is gold. And it's, and it's, it's a very eye-opening passage, I think, for us, for any church, I mean, honestly, uh, because there's a lot of, of, of teaching here. There's a lot of correction. There's a lot of caution. Um, there's a lot of, of, hey, man, you, 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 I, teachers, right? You be careful how you build. Don't move away from this. Um, and Paul stresses this. And, and it's interesting how he moves from a metaphor. Last week, we're talking about, uh, you know, agriculture. We're talking about planting and watering, right? And you are the ground. And then the end of verse 90, he shifts gears and says, and, and you're also God's building, right? And now that's the metaphor he's going to carry forward. He's going to talk about the church. He's speaking to you. And this passage speaks to every single one of us. Because if you know Christ as your Savior, you are part of the church. You're it. And Paul is speaking to those who teach, to those who give instruction, to anyone really who opens their Bibles and gives counsel. Right? How are you building? And it's very important. But not only does he stress that to the builders and how he's, you know, he's working on the Corinthians here, he, he opens it and expands it to every single one of us. That's in the context. But at the end, he says, you know what? There's a way you can vandalize the church. Right? And too often we see that, right? And what I mean there, going with his metaphor, is that we can do damage to others. We can hurt people, can't we? And he gives this warning. So all that is loaded in this. And, and, and I say all that glitters is not gold just simply because things look good. And there's, you know, he's going back to this church and the idea of building the church. And just simply because there's a lot of people there doesn't mean that it's going to withstand. Right? That's kind of what he's getting at. It doesn't mean that it's, it's not going to withstand either. But we have to be sure that every ministry is built upon Jesus. I think it gets exposed. Paul's going to tell us there's going to be a day. These things are going to get exposed for what they are. Everyone's going to know. Right? Your works are either going to, they're going to be refined by the fire, they're going to be burned up by the fire. Those are your two options, right? That's what you got, so build well. You know, it's interesting, and, and we know this, anytime a hurricane hits, and I think it's specifically in 92 when, uh, when Hurricane Andrew hit Florida, right? When it just came through and did all this damage, and all these buildings were kind of blown over and knocked down, all, all the building codes changed, didn't they? 
they all said, we're not building right. We're not building to withstand this storm. We're not building correctly. Let's change it. But every storm that subsequently comes, and if there's damage, what happens? We change the codes. We've got to build this better. We've got to build it stronger. And too often in the church, this stuff goes unchecked. And Paul's saying there is a day, right, where this is going to be seen for what it is. Right? It's not a storm. It's a day where he uses the word fire. Right? And the precious stones, the gold, the silver, those things get refined. And those things that are wood, straw, and, and, and mud and whatnot, right, those things get consumed. But all of it is built upon this foundation. And all of us have an activity because we are the church. This passage speaks to us, to teachers, to accountability on your part, to what your teachers are teaching. That's very important. We don't have time to waste. It must be teaching the gospel. So this is what Paul is saying. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 10 through 17. He says, Uh, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, He will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let me offer a brief prayer. Father, as we come to your word now, we simply ask, God, that your spirit would be with us. Uh, We ask that you would open our eyes and teach us, open our ears, uh, Lord, and and let us listen. We pray for application in our own lives. We pray for growth, spiritual growth. And, uh, Lord, as always, I I simply ask, um, may every eye thought be placed upon you and that I would not, um, or that I would be rather taken away that you would receive the glory, and, and uh, Lord, our desire, our passion would be to learn. And so we commit this time, this, this message to you, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I find this passage very interesting, and it comes to this, this chapter where really I, I, I'm just going to share with you that you know, part of my reasoning for going through Corinthians has been the instruction that we receive in a church uh, and this has been very insightful. Uh, hopefully it has been for you. And, and, you know, walking back through this chapter has been um, uh, important. I mean, I'm just going to say it like that. You know, Paul begins in this transition in, in, in chapter of 3, verse 1. Brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal, as babes. And, and you know, if you remember through that, I, I kind of refer, I, I spent time on the first two verses to say this was the Corinthian diet. You know, because this, this, this plays into the idea of building a church. If our diet, right, is, is built around mixing or confluting the gospel or supplementing the gospel, if it's something other than that, we're, we're going to have issues, which is what's happening in this letter. 
You know, the Corinthian diet was distinguishing. Paul saw them for who they are. This is who your flesh, your babes, right? I mean, he's saying carnal, but it's not carnality. He's saying you are full of the Holy Spirit. He's telling this, you're believers, and yet you're acting like the world. That's what he's been telling them. Because their diet has been, it's been deficient. It's been debilitating. If your diet is the same thing, right, you're not going to see any improvement, right? You can't live on Doritos and Pepsi, right? You just can't do that, no matter what your children or the young ones are saying, right? I think of the koalas in the zoo. They sleep for 20 hours a day. They only eat eucalyptus leaves, right? How is it? Well, that's what they eat. There's like very little energy from that. So you realize it just makes sense. You know, this is our diet. And I spend a little time on that because it sets the, the, really the foundation for what's happening. Paul is going on. As you know, last week we talked about the gospel commission. Well, how are we going to carry this out if we have a diet that, that is crippling us, that is weakening us? And so we saw you know, on the flip side of that is the Christ-centered diet. What should be happening? Right? There's positive things and commands of Scripture. And just three things I pointed out in verses 3 through 4 is that a Christ-centered diet, it should be, if it's, if it's growing in you, should be delivering you from self-centeredness. Right? We're moving away from self. We're putting the cross in the center. Right, That should be happening in us. Christ becomes more dear to me than my very life. We see that throughout. Right? We, get, we realize we're dead to the world. And we, tiff, we let go of both hands of the world and we grab that cross and we follow our Savior. Self-centeredness starts to disappear. It sets us apart from the world by default. You start doing that, you look a little different than anyone else, don't you? Just by necessity. Man, I believe we should go the extra mile. I believe we should turn the cheek. I believe I should love you. I think I should extend to you God's kindness. Because His kindness led me to redemption. It can lead you to redemption. Wow, you're, you're kind of crazy. No one does that. Well, yeah, I'm living for something greater. I'm living for a Savior, right? I have a Christ-centered diet. And then by necessity, we see growth. And I said, this is important. The church, it's important that you're growing. Your sanctification is important. Why? Because the Lord says, I, you know, if we are the embassy right, of heaven on earth, God's church, it's his presence, and his presence is magnified, and you and I, when we assemble together, then it's important. There's a commission. God says, you know, you're not just here to look good. You're not just here to know that you have salvation. You're not just here to go, you know what, on Sunday I do this. On Monday, I don't do this anymore. I do something completely different. That is not to be your life. Right? God says you have a mission, something greater than this earth, something outside of this earth, right, has come. His name is Jesus, and you're to make him known. You're to, to know him even more. Right? And the Corinthians are doing what? They're, they say, you know what, Paul? You gave us this milk. It's kind of spoilt. Right? I think if we add some other ingredients to this thing, we can make it, we'll make it a milkshake. Right? That's pretty funny, actually. I just thought of that right there. We'll write that down. Right? That's, what there's, that's what's going on. That's what they're doing. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. You're selling for a milkshake when you can have you know, smoked brisket, right? Try to, you can have the meat. Now, see, now you're all with me. Yes, now I get some amens. Okay, all right. Start with the meat next time, Tyson. Okay. But that has been his push, right? It begins with the pure milk. The pure milk develops into solid meat. Don't go away from the gospel because God has placed you on a mission. See, God knows you by name. He knows the hairs on your head. He has sovereignly placed you where you are to be. And he has a mission for you. And we and I, us, all of us who know Christ, are a mission with service to God. He partners with us. Paul says, I planted, man. Paul is watered. 
We're nothing. God made the increase. We're all in this. But God has been active. He's been active in Paul, active in Apollos. He's active in you. Right? He's shaping you, forming you, working through you. He's awesome. He also rewards those, right, who give their labor. And we know this. This is nothing new. And I stress at the beginning, there is activity. God expects you to have motion. There should be motion in your personal life. You should be studying, reading, right, praying. There is motion in you, right? There should be motion in the gospel. There's direction. There is activity. Paul is planting. Apollos is watering. What is happening today? God will always have his church. You're it, right? You're on this planet. What are we to be doing? We are to be growing. We are to be developing. We are to be reaching. We are to be extending the kindness of Christ to those we come in contact with because his kindness led you to the foot of the cross. That's good news, isn't it? We have a Savior. So Paul says, look, this is what's going on. As this chapter unfolds, it's so important for the church. Understand this, right? If you're, if you're eating Cheetos and, and, and drinking Pepsis, you're not going to have energy for the commission, right? But get going with the meat of God's word so we can get on mission because the church is, it affects the church. The church is to be building. How does that happen? Paul goes through, I'm glad you asked that, right? Paul goes through a few steps for us. And I want, the first thing I want to point out through this passage is that Paul, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul stresses the idea of it's ongoing. Building the church is an ongoing process. It's always ongoing. Individually, it's ongoing. You are in process. The church is always ongoing. It's going, growing, right? He says in the first part of verse 10, According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Not a foundation or one I made up or one I conjured up, but the foundation. Right? If we know anything of this letter, we know what that foundation is, right? But he says another builds on it. For Paul, the foundation is Christ and him crucified. He has made no bones about that. Right? He didn't come to you with wisdom or, or fancy talk. He didn't talk fancy to you. I came in the power of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and I preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. Here is, right? the foundation. This is the ongoing process. So here's our characters, right? As you look into this passage, we see the believers, right? God's building. It is the church body, right? Paul is speaking to a congregation here. It's very important to, to remember that as we read this. Later on in chapter 6, he's going to use this, this kind of language when he talks specifically as you being the temple. Here, the temple is the body. You are this morning. God's presence is with us. It is the church body he's addressing. The leaders are, and the builders in this passage are the pastors, ministry leaders, Life group teachers, Awana leaders, youth leaders, right? Anyone who opens their Bible, gives instruction. These are the builders. You are in building something into someone else's life who is a part of the church. That's who he's speaking to. We could add to that Paul and Apollos. He would say his name right along with us. We are, in fact, the builders, right? And you could probably boil that down if you were meeting one-on-one and opening God's word and you were meeting with another believer, right? There was some element. There's some care there. Or some, some understanding that, that you're part of the building process. And of course, Jesus is the architect, right? To run with Paul's uh, metaphor here. It's not something he conjured up. Jesus is the foundation, right? Paul doesn't, doesn't try to make you guess at that. He's been explicit with it. And it's important to understand that this is an ongoing process. You know, in, in Paul's day, when the temples were being built, it took many years Right? Guys would come on the scene and, and as apprentices and, and develop in the scene, and they may retire and die before the temple is, is built, and then other guys come on. And that's kind of Paul's thinking. Today, I mean, we can, we, 
You know, you can drive by a place and it's like, oh, they, they plowed something there. And, you know, a few months later, like, wow, there's a building, right? It's not like that in Paul's day. And his thinking is, this is an ongoing. The temple referencing the building, how you build on God's church, it's, of course it's ongoing. It's God's church throughout history, right? It's an ongoing process. It takes time. And there's, there's something for us in an individual sense that's very important. Sometimes we get frustrated in our walk, isn't it? Man, Lord, why, why, why do we struggle? Why are we going through this? Be faithful, come back, keep praying, keep going, right? Understand that God is at work. And so Paul has this clear understanding. He's laid a foundation. Others have come, Apollos, others. And here he's not talking. He didn't mention Apollos anymore. He's simply talking to other builders, right? Teachers, those in the congregation at Corinth, they are doing some type of work. And the work's not always good, right? There's some crazy things going on if you're familiar with the letter. But the vision, the purpose, the foundation of all of it, what Paul is stressing is the ongoing teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Builders, be careful of that. Paul says he's a master builder. He's laid the foundation. Chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says it explicitly, Jesus Christ and crucified. I believe in Matthew 16, 15 through 18, Jesus said it like this, right? This wonderful question, very important question, right? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. The profession, the confession of who Christ is, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Paul's point, Jesus' point, right? Throughout Scripture, the church is to be built upon Jesus. If you're not building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, don't call yourself a church. That's what he's saying, right? There's only one. But I think for us, it's important to understand as you know, as Paul has been planting and, and Apollos has been irrigating, right? We understand that. Right in the valley, we get that all day long. We totally understand that, but it's not an easy road, right? The church, the growth, the process, God has been given increase. He's been acknowledging that, hey, God is at, at work in all of this, but we know it's a bumpy road. If you're familiar with Corinthians, it's a bumpy road. They don't always get it. You and I don't always get it, right? Sometimes we just get frustrated. We have to realize that the sin, if, we, if we're young in the faith, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just staying young in the faith. No matter how old you are, how new you are, move forward. There's activity. God doesn't believe for you. He expects you to grow in your faith. Grow and trust him in the situations of life, right? Take him at his word. See and taste and know that he is good. So there's always activity, but God fulfills it. So it takes time. It's a story of a gentleman who came to a village, and, and kind of a remote village, and they were walking around, and he asked this question. The person gave him a tour. Is, is anyone famous born here? The tour guide thought that was a little, you know, thought he would jazz him back and said it's kind of not fair thinking to himself. So he said, nope, only babies have been born here. <laughs> there it is. All right. Work on the timing. Okay. All right. <laughs> of course only babies. At some point in your life, in your development, it is starts with the pure milk, right? It starts here. Sometimes we get frustrated. It is an ongoing process as the individual. But as a church, sometimes we look at our church and we say, man, Lord, what are you doing? Be patient, right? God does not call his church to fail. Think on that for a moment. If it's a church built on the, on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and crucified, it does not call his church to fail. Very important for us to understand. 
too often today in our own life, we, we kind of echo. If you've ever seen the movie uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, there's a character named Veruca Salt, right? If you know anything about her, what does she always say? I want it now. I want it now. Some of you are starting to think of the song. I probably shouldn't have said that. And I think this is where churches get tempted. We want to see it now. We want to see it now. Right? We should see it. And there should be growth. There should be something going on. There should be growth. But sometimes we grow in the wrong direction. Sometimes we need to be you know, lovingly rebuked and say, hey, this is where I need to be. That's important for us. And we need to be careful that it's an ongoing process. The church, the growth, the development, the discipleship. It doesn't happen overnight. We can't just hit the microwave button, right? Bing. I don't know if you've ever microwaved something longer than two minutes. You get a little frustrated. I can't microwave it. I can hit it again. I think of two minutes, and you're like, come on. I'm not even going to eat this now, right? You get frustrated. We're like that. Paul says this is ongoing. So I encourage you this morning, building the church, building us, us all part of this. Be patient with the work. Understand God loves his church. God is active in his church. God is active through your teachers. God is active uh, through the ministers of the church. Be sure, your part, right? Be the accountability. Make sure your pastors are teaching what they need to be teaching. Make sure your life group leaders are teaching what they should be teaching. Make sure you're, I mean, listen, the ministries. God didn't call you to fail. God wants to glorify himself in you. Too often we pray over situations. We ask God to move, and we should be saying, Lord, in this, in this, glorify yourself in me. Right? Glorify yourself in me. God loves his church. He loves you. It's an ongoing process. The second thing going on from here that I think it's important is building the church should be done with care. Second part of verse 10 going into 11, he says, But let each, each one take heed how he builds on it. All right? Here's a foundation. Treat it with care. Be careful how you build. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. All right? Pretty clear to understand what Paul is telling us, isn't it? There is no other foundation which you can lay. If you're not building upon the foundation of Christ, you're building a different building. Right? If you've moved away from this, if you've tangled it with something else, you're in danger of moving away from an actual true church. Right? The church in Ephesus of Revelation chapter 2 is, is a great indicator. They're doing a lot of good things, but Jesus says, you forgot your, your first love. I'm going to take my lampstand. At what moment right, does a church cease to be a church? That's what they're in danger of. Paul is coming back and saying, look, you've got to be careful what you're teaching. It has to be in the scriptures. Right? Paul has said all the workers, all the servants of the church are what? Nothing. We are all in this together. Right? Too often we look upon our pastors, we look upon those, and we say, man, right? I can be like that. I know you all say that about me. No, I'm kidding, right? I think about how often many times I, I, you know, those you influence have influence over you. I love Sinclair Ferguson and Alice Sebag. These guys, I don't know what it is with the Scotsmen. I like them, but you listen to them too long, and you start picking up an accent. <laughs> right? And you're like, i got to stop. I've got to find, find someone who speaks you know, normal English, right? <laughs> But there's no other foundation, and we're in danger. They're in danger of moving away. So he says, hey, you've got to be careful how you build on this. Teachers, builders, right? If you're counseling, you're working with someone, be careful that what you're teaching is biblical, right? Point people to Jesus. That may sound like, well, what else you got? And that's everything. Point them to Christ. Let them begin on the pure milk. The pure milk turns into solid meat. So 
continue to study. Make sure your life matches what you're teaching. The biggest complaint, right, of of those, I don't know if you've heard it, if you've asked people, why don't you go to church? Well, they're hypocritical. They're judgmental. They judge me, but they got their own problem. You hear something similar to that, right? You should say, well, we're not perfect. Churches are full of sinners saved by grace. Be that person who can express that. Often I, I miss it, but God's patient with me. God loves me, and I, I confess and I repent. You know what? God can love you too. Why don't, why, don't we, why don't you help me work on that? I'll help you work on your areas. Why can't we do that? Right? That's part of it. Be, be careful. Let your life match up with what you're saying. I think this is very important. In the case, uh, you know, I came across this, this illustration I saw this week. It was on social media, and I was a little bit blown away by it. And this is probably an extreme case, but I'm sure hopefully you would all see it for what it is. But not everyone teaches the Jesus of Nazareth. A little video came up, and this person is a big church, and I assume he's, he's, he's teaching behind the pulpit, and he's a pastor of sorts. I'm not sure exactly who he is, but you know, he, he has shared this story that, in essence, he had to forgive Jesus. And he shares this, that, that somebody had said something to him, and he was really wounded by it, and Jesus had come to him, and that he needed to forgive Jesus. Now, think for a moment, right? Um, think, of, think of Revelation when, when there was silence because no one was found worthy to open the scrolls and the seals. And then John saw what? A lion, or excuse me, a lamb that had been slain. Now, if we have to forgive Jesus, right? Can he be that one? Can he redeem you? The person went on, he expanded this and taught this. It's not just a certain moment, but it's, it's the idea that not everyone is teaching the Jesus who was born in Nazareth, or excuse me, born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, right? They're not teaching that Jesus. We're saying his name, but we're not teaching him. And if you've ever find yourself in a position where you feel you have to forgive Christ, I think it's in a, you're in a pretty bad situation. It's the other way around, Right? Christ needs to forgive us. And it sounds like there, there, there should be a deeper understanding of Scripture, and this man should have went and dealt with the issue that he should have dealt with. But I share that to say not everyone is teaching the Jesus of the Scriptures. It's very important to understand. Paul stressed this to them. Chapter 2, verse 5. Your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In Christ him alone. Everything else is sinking sand. Every other foundation, there can be no other. It's empty. In the end days, it will be consumed for what it is. It will be shown for what it is. So what do we take away from this? What are you and I as the church? What should we know? We should know that the Christ of the Scriptures is the only true and solid foundation. You have to know that. It sounds like day one stuff or something we've heard a thousand times before, but let me tell you a thousand and one. You better know that you know Christ. He is the only foundation. Everything else is going to fade away. Paul says it like this in Romans 8, 1 through 4. There is therefore now, right, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh 
the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There is our hope. Only Christ. There is no separation, no condemnation. It's all in Jesus. You better know him and be sure that you know him. The second thing we take away is that pointing others, you better be pointing them to the Christ of Scriptures. If you're going to help anybody in this world, you better tell them only Jesus can help you. Now, in the situation, given what it is, right, there might be different things we can do, but the, the answer is always Jesus. It's the classic Sunday school response, right? What is the answer? It is Christ, and you better know it, and you better know how to point people to him. His kindness. Third thing we learn is that this is the only thing that makes a true church. This is what makes the church. Christ alone. And it sounds like so simple, doesn't it? Here's this church that Paul planted. Apollos was teaching. They're in danger of leaving it. Three years. He planted, and then three years he receives a letter. He's writing back three years. They're on the verge of going some other direction. Paul says, man, you've got to be careful what you're teaching. You're not actually helping anyone if you're not pointing them to Christ. I think it's very important that we understand this. So the question I could pose to you is, do you know him? The parable in in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21, where Jesus shares about the rich fool. Too often in our life, we we find security in the material things, right? And and Jesus shares this parable, and he he says there's this rich man, he's got so much grain, God is blessing him. And he knows what he's going to do. He's going to put up more silos and, and contain the grain. And then he says, I'm going to rest. And Jesus says, you fool, for your soul will be required of you this night. And who will get all those things that you set up, all your riches? Who will that go to? Because what did he do? He places his trust in some type of material thing. See, you and I are not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not even guaranteed later today. But we have this moment right now. And do you know if your soul was required of you, Do you know Christ? Do you know him? Do you know him as your Lord, as your Savior? Teachers, builders, can you point people to him, right? So important. If our soul was required of us, would I stand before him and say, Christ alone, I'm covered by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, my Savior. Know that. Know that. God has provided a redeemer. And so building the church, we must be careful to point that out. The third thing here is building the church is to be done with accountability. Man, we're not in this alone. Verses 12 through 15, it says, Now if anyone builds on this foundation, Paul's explained it to us, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each one's work for what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved as one who goes through the fire. It's an interesting statement, isn't it, here? Paul says, this is the foundation, but we can build upon the foundation with shoddy materials and poor craftsmanship. Isn't that an amazing thought? The foundation doesn't change. The foundation endures. It's Christ, Him crucified. That's the foundation. But today we can build upon this with shoddy workmanship. 
I just think that's an amazing thought. And Paul says, look, there's two kinds of materials you can use. There's the durable, right? The durable, it's going to last. It can be refined by fire, and it's shown. It's good stuff. And then there's the perishable. This stuff gets consumed. It's wood, hay, straw, right? So there's a question right out of this that for every church leader, every church elder board, every church that, that is thinking upon what they're going to be, here's the question you have to answer. What kind of church does Christ want or what kind of church do we want? I see it as two questions. How are you going to build? J.B. Lightfoot says it like this, right? Do you want to build a palace on one hand or a mud hut on the other? That's a picture for you, isn't it? And both of them have the foundation of Christ, but we can build with poor materials. So the gold, silver, precious stones, right? These are the ones, hopefully, your pastor and your elders and your deacons, your deaconesses are focused upon Christ and the gospel. They preach Christ, the historical doctrines of the, of, of the Word of God. We teach it, right? We model it. We live it to the best of our abilities. We teach about purity and the commands of Scripture. We try our best not to mix that. Something else. Are we perfect? Careful how you answer that. No, 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 we're not, right? No, but this is the, the drive. This is what we're doing. This is why we point people to the Word of God, because it's the power of God. This is why we have to come here, and every time we read, oh, man, I must submit. I must repent. I must get under what His Word teaches. That's the gold. We may not like to hear, that's what we need. That's the precious stones, because it's God's, of course. Those who turn to wood, hay, and straw, you know, this is stuff that may stick for a time, right? You've got a good foundation. You've got some, some mud slapping on there, some duct tape. Let's use some modern stuff. Gorilla glue around the corner, right? Whatever you might be using, slap this thing. It sticks for a time. But as we know, as Paul tells us, it will be burned up. I think the Corinthian church is supplementing, right? Looking, mixing, diluting the gospel. So it's very important. Paul says, look, there's one, there's one way of going about this. There's only one way. And Paul goes on and says, look, if you're building and you're using you know, bad materials, he tells us, these are the ones who escape through fire. Right? I don't know if you've ever heard that, that saying that, that there's those, well, they, they believed on Christ, they had this moment, it was good, and now but very, pretty much they live like the world. There's no change. And then some will say, well, I think they'll get into heaven, but they'll smell like smoke. Right? I don't know if you've ever heard that. I've heard that before. They'll smell like smoke, but they'll be in there. Right? Well, unless that person was actually building the church, this passage is not speaking to them. Paul is speaking to the builders. The people who get into heaven and smell like smoke are those who are building with straw, mud, and wood. That's what he's saying. The foundation is, is legit. It's Jesus. That's not going to waver. But if you build this way, these are the ones. So the whole idea of, of the carnal Christian mentality, right? Well, they're saying, no, the Christian is advancing. The Christian is growing. There should be activity and growth in your life. That's how we know. The Bible tells us that. John says, look, you should be loving in the commands of Scripture. You should be loving the church. You should be loving the brothers and sisters. You should be loving uh, purity and seeking it. These things should be happening. Does it mean you're perfect? No, but you're in process. Right? So we see there's a growth, there's an action, there's an activity. And if we don't see that in your life, we have to wonder if they really believe. There should be a change of some sort. It might be minute, but there should be growth. Remember, it's not being young in the faith. That's sin. It's about staying there. Don't stay there. 
We have life groups. We have teachers, right? Come, let's grow. Let's get going. So Paul says, this is the group. If you're a builder, you're a teacher, and you build with shoddy materials, you might be one who escapes. You'll smell like smoke, but you'll get into heaven. Don't let that be an excuse to say, well, it doesn't matter how I build. I'll get in there anyway. No, build with precious materials. The second one are those who suffer loss. Right? We suffer a lot. Isn't it interesting? In this, we have reward and loss in these passages. He's talking about it. It comes at this moment, I thought, you know, as I'm thinking about this whole loss, who has Paul been talking to? Throughout this letter, he's been dealing with two groups of people. And it's the, it's the same two groups today. I, I mean, I'll explain that here in a moment. But he comes and you talk about Jesus, right? You have, you have the, the Greeks who say, this is just foolishness. How can God, one, show emotion and then die this way for others? That's just crazy talk. And you have the Jews, right, who say, man, this is no, no one who hungs on a cross. They, no. That can't be, right? And so you have these two groups, and Paul's saying, look, why are you turning to that to prove Jesus, right? Don't do that. Don't mix the gospel. And so he, he comes, and I think there's this group, and I call them this, the first group, the, the Greek group, the Hellenistic group, if you will. It's the I'm my own God theology, right? I don't know if you've ever heard it like this. I'm spiritual but not religious. Have you heard that? I'm a spiritual person, but I don't believe in, in actually following anything, Right? Yeah, I, you're saying you're your own God. I, I arrived. I'm at it. I'm on the top tier. I'm the apex of this whole thing. I dictate morality. I dictate all of it. I'm my own God. That's what you're saying, right? And there's that group. That group is alive and well today, right? This is why the Christian is what? There is motion. We're coming out from that. We're trusting in someone else, trusting in a Savior who died on a cross. I'm not trusting me, right? I'm not trusting that, well, I'm spiritual. I'm okay, Reminds me of the lady one time I was talking to who said, you know what, I, I went to a, a palm reader. This was back when I worked in Santa Cruz, and she told me she went to a palm reader. And, and the palm reader said, you know what, you're part of the 144,000. So she said, I got that going for me. And I remember thinking, are you Jewish? Right? And she said, no. And I'm like, well, I don't think you're a part of that one, right? And she'd never heard that. That was that moment, train wreck moment. But it's amazing what people are going to put there. Tra- well, I'm spiritual. I'm okay. No, you're not. It's Jesus that makes you okay. So we have this group that I, you know, I'm my own God. The other group is the other extreme. I earned it myself group. I did this. I did this, right? The Jews, we did this. Came across and Paul is completely opposite of that. He's, he's, he's told us in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, he's going to tell us when we get there again, but he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Your service, your builder, your ministry, your teaching, your moments when you're opening the Bible and you're, you're sharing Scripture with someone and there is fruit from that, that is not something you have done. It is the work of God. Understand that. You know, If you understand that, wrap your mind around that, that frees you from legalism. It also frees you from the other side of saying, well, I, you know, it just doesn't matter. No, it matters. So Paul stresses this. He makes leaders accountable. Right? It's accountable. You have to be aware we're accountable to all these things. There's two groups of people. There's the legalistic group today. There's the free grace group that says, it just, you know what? I'm saved. I'm good. I live any way I want. There's these two extremes. Paul's dealing with them. And there's a challenge to every believer who holds on to that. Your works will be consumed for what they are. You may escape through the fire. You'll smell like smoke. Right? But it won't be capped. There'll be no reward. There will be loss. And my last point as we go on to this, clearly, I just use this last word as caution. Building the church is to be done with caution. 
Verses 16 and 17, he says, do you not know? Here's our rhetorical question, right? Do you not know that you are the temple of God? The Spirit of God dwells in you? Dwells in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. It's important I stress again that Paul is not talking about here an individual. He'll use this language in chapter 6. But here again, in context, he's talking about the body assembling together is where God dwells, these people. It's God's temple. God resides in his church. And he gives us this warning. Do you not understand? When we come together, not only do we have the power to build on this solid foundation, we have the power to vandalize it. We have the power to build up people and to train up people and to encourage people to go forward. We also have the ability to tarnish it to harm others, to weaken their faith. This is what he's saying. And it's important to note that here the word builder is gone. Anyone. Not just the teachers. Not just the builders. Anyone. Anyone. Anyone who defies. Or defiles, rather. Anyone. So how is it? The question for us. How do, we defy, how do we vandalize God's church? How do we vandalize the structure that's being built? How do, we, how do we take, you know, spray paint and bust out the How do we go about that? I created a list. I'm sure we could expand to it. Factions, divisions. That'll do it. I'm not striving for biblical unity. Striving for God's truth. Heresy will do it taking our eyes off the cross and maybe focusing on things that maybe shouldn't have our attention. Superficial conversions or programs that don't help or deepen somebody. That can can tarnish it. That can vandalize God's church. Entertainment without holiness. It's not a call, a pursuit. Gossip. That can tarnish a church. To vandalize it quite quickly, can it? Slander, prayerlessness, bitterness, sustained biblical illiteracy. Again, if you don't know much, that's okay. Start moving forward. Don't stay there. Get moving forward. Self, right? Self-promotion, self-righteousness, selfishness. All the other self-words we can attach to that. Yeah, that can vandalize God's church. Remember the Christ-centered diet is about leaving and coming out from selfishness. Materialism, right? Lust, sexual sins. We could add everything to this. We could keep going on. All this, the important thing to understand is that we, everyone, anyone, has the ability power to vandalize God's church. So how are you building? Are you building currently? Are you tearing down? Paul says this is, this is the warning. This is the danger if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. Man, God loves his church. Man, God loves you. Why are you tearing down what God loves? It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. Hebrews 10, 31. And let's build God's way. Let's do it his way. The Corinthians ignored, or we're ignoring, or in the process of ignoring, a process of walking away from this pure milk of Jesus Christ, this foundation. They're saying, you know what? I think we can build better over here. 
Paul is calling them back. The church, the modern church, is in danger. Always in danger if we go away from the, from the truth of God's word. There is no hope for you outside of Jesus for me. This is the foundation. And it's interesting that upon this foundation, we can build poorly or we can build with excellence. We can also take our words, our actions, our lives, and we can vandalize it. I think this passage, I know for me, hopefully for you, has brought you to a moment of self-examination and maybe quiet repentance. Lord, forgive us. Too often we love ourselves more than we love the church, more than we would love him. He wouldn't admit that. Well, that's our struggle, isn't it? It's just easier, let's be honest. It's just easier to gossip than to actually end it. It's easier to just hurt someone or hate someone than go love them. Right? God calls us to do hard things. But those hard things are gold, silver, precious stones. It's the building. It's the encouragement. It's the saying, you know what? I was wrong. I think it's important to note, and I'll just say this here, that you know, in Matthew 18, the person who is offended has the responsibility to go to that person. Right? Because they don't know. But in Matthew 5, Jesus says it the other way. If you are the one who's done the offending and you know it, you have a responsibility to go. And the picture that Jesus paints in these two passages is the idea that a brother and a brother, brother, sister, sister, whatever it might be, they find themselves, right, on the way to meet the other. That forgiveness, right, would happen. Too often it's just simply easier to go, you know what, I'll justify this. My, my anger might have been unrighteous, but I think if I think on it long enough, I'll, I'll get it to the righteous side and I'll, I'll be justified in it. But that's not building. Building takes effort. It takes work. It's not easy. But those hard things as we invest, as we teach, that's the gold. And that's the silver. That's the precious stones. Those are the good things. That's where Christ is glorified. Today I encourage you and, and challenge you to, if you haven't begun your life, and today is a day of salvation. If you haven't built it on Christ. Don't waste another day. What if your soul is required of you? Know him. If you don't know him, you need to come talk to me. One of our elders, don't leave this place until you're sure you know him. Let's pray for you. And maybe you're here this morning where maybe you need to take some things and you just need to chuck it in the fire now, right? Don't wait for the day. Get rid of it and start rebuilding, right? Start encouraging. Start strengthening. Start loving. It's not easy, is it? It's vulnerable. God calls us to be vulnerable. Calls us to love. Set this challenge in front of you. And I I want to add one more thing. I know I've gone over a little bit, but I think this passage, it's really resonated with me um, these last few weeks going through this because the Lord has, has blessed us with the opportunities to do outreach. You know, I, I pray often for, for us and many times in tears, to be honest with you, um, that God would, would, would demonstrate his grace and his mercy to you. And, and I used a metaphor from, from uh, Numbers chapter uh, 20 where Moses comes and, and uh, he knocks on the rock and there's, there's water is given to the Israelites and, 
It's at that moment where, where Moses sins. And he doesn't get to go on because he says, you know, you rebellious people, how long must we, right? Me and God put up with you. And as they've pondered on that, because often I'll pray, Lord, whatever I, I want to desperately disappear, that every eye would be upon you. That's a drive in me. And as I pray, I've been praying for us, been praying for our community. I've been just taking that metaphor, if you will, and asking that God would, would crack the nut, crack the rock, right? Because us, Faith Community Bible Church, our community, needs living water. And I use that same metaphor and pray at the same time, Lord, don't let any of us walk away going, look what we did. But bring it. And the Lord has opened wonderful opportunities. I just want to share them with you. Lord, it is completely humbling and just awe-inspiring at the same time. As we, we think on you and think about how mighty and powerful and holy and just You are the just and the justifier. You didn't lower your standard. You demand perfection, and you know none of us would make it. Even when we're crying out, like in the days of Malachi, and saying, Lord, where is your justice? Where are you? Being rebellious in our hearts, and yet you were patient even then, saying, I'll bring, I will bring my messenger. Knowing, Lord, that if you were to come then, no one would stand. And yet today we have Jesus because you love us. You're opening doors in our community. You're opening doors in our lives. You're challenging us. It's, you want us to be the church, not play church. Man, there are opportunities, God. But it takes us not having a diet that is distinguished like the world or debilitating. It takes a diet that is growing. Placed us on mission. You said you desire and said go. At the same time, you said, I will be with you. So, Lord, I pray in our activity as teachers and builders in the church that we would build with gold and, and uh, Lord, precious stones for the many conversations and areas where we can have opportunity to maybe um, deface the church. I pray for conviction. Pray that we would be marked by those who have experienced the compassion and kindness of you. You've led us, God. Your kindness leads us to repentance. Pray that we would be the hands and feet that would extend that kindness. It's a wonderful thought to think about how you made us, created us, given us breath and desired him to save us, redeem us, places where you'd have us. Oh, what a wonderful thought. I pray that you'd encourage your church, Lord, your children this morning. Pray for those that, that are here, Lord, who are challenged, Lord, grow them. I pray for those who are here who do not know, who are not sure that they know Christ is their Savior, Lord, let today be a day of salvation if our souls are required of us, or may we know, we don't shout of a doubt, I know my Redeemer lives, He has redeemed me. So I pray your blessing upon this church. I pray for the dark areas you've called us to go, to Winton, Atwater, surrounding areas. Lord, let us be a church of praise. We know the enemy doesn't like that, but we know you are greater, you are mightier, you are all-powerful. Who can say to you, what have you done? Nobody.
Thank you for being faithful to your word. Pray your blessing, uh, Lord, upon this church, upon these families, for your glory, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.